Welcome to The 43%. I'm Claudia Reuter. This show forgets about the leaning in or leaning out debate and talks to successful women about their path toward creating a life that includes both family and career. Our name is a nod to the fact that 43% of women leave the workforce when they have children. We all have our takes on why and what might be done to better support working mothers. But in this show, we explore a wide range of experiences and ideas. To me, it's not about leaning in. To me, it's about, I want women to wake up and say, I am who I am, and I feel good about myself. That was today's guest, Sharon Can. Sharon is the CEO of Pepperlane, a company focused on micro-businesses for mothers. A serial entrepreneur and board member, she was also the co-founder of the Win Lab at Babson College. That stands for Women Innovating Now. In our conversation, we talked about being open to possibilities, the importance of helping other women, and preparing for success. So my name is Sharon Khan, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Pepperlane. So what's a typical day like for you right now? Every day is very different. I think what I learned uh, since Pepperlane is my uh, fourth startup is I used to be very, I, I needed to know what will the, the day was going to, what, what is going to look like. And as I um, matured in my career, I realized that there's some, um, there's some magic about um, be prepared for the unexpected. Mm-hmm. So I do plan my day but I always leave room to be surprised. In other words, I don't like to have a day where I'm back to back to back, just just have meetings because I have no, I have no time to breathe or um, even to be curious mm-hmm. about what is happening in the day. And when you're gonna ask me, okay, why don't you play back? What did you do today? And I almost don't remember. And I found that some, probably the most productive days that I have is that something unexpected is um, happening to me. And it doesn't have to be work-related, but it's always going to make me more, I think, productive with regards to work. Do you have an example that you can share? So here's, I'll give you an example. I came back from California and I, I, I was there on the mission very clearly for Pepper Lane, uh, totally serious about whatever I do. But I think what, I, what I've noticed is that the uh, downtime that I have between meetings is this is where I'm at my best. <laughs> so not actually in the meeting. So I arrived to the airport and my flight was delayed in four hours. That doesn't feel like a very good start. But anyway, you know, I play it cool. You know, I'm in the zone. I'm, you know, uh, sitting in the airport for four hours with a bunch of dudes, you know, and just um, waiting for the flight. Uh, Took the flight. I arrived to San Francisco airport um, to take my rental car. And like every good startup, you know, I, I really try to look for the most simple car, not expensive one. So, so I did. And I arrived to uh, Alamo, the rental car service. And, you know, the guy's very kind and saying to me, uh, ma'am, we're so sorry. We had to give your car. You were late in four hours. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? 
you know, my flight was delayed and I was all fired up and I was all, you know, I could feel my blood go to my head and everything. And then I looked on his face and I felt that the unexpected is going to come my way. And he goes, ma'am, I think you're a little bit tense. Will you just chill out? Because I have a car that is 10 times better than what we should have gave you. And guess what? It's a BMW convertible, a sport car. Do you want to take that? And I'm going, you know what? I'm going to suffer through. I'll take it. (laughs) I take the car and I'm the only one in San Francisco that drive with them, you know, the top down, everything and enjoying that. So when I arrived to every single meeting, I was really in my zone and I took my time to drive carefully and I had some stuff, I had some time to uh, look on the sunset and the sunrise because I was jet lagged. And those are the moments where I think I really refilled my batteries. And it made me feel very good driving a convertible, to be honest with you, right? These are the unexpected moments that are not related to work. But when I get to the meeting, you know, I was, I felt like I was in in the movies. The Double Shift is a brand new reported storytelling podcast about a new generation of working moms. There are no tips and tricks, and it's not about parenting or kids. Instead, it's actually about the identity and experience of the mothers themselves. Radical, right? Creator and host Katherine Goldstein is reporting on all kinds of stories from all over the country that you really haven't heard before. From politicians to musicians, sex workers to executives. The most recent episode is called The Candidate Who Carpools, and it's an amazing audio documentary following along with a woman running for state office in North Carolina who's also the mother of three little kids. Next week, The Double Shift is doing an episode on sex worker moms and what it's like to be a working mom when your office is a legal brothel. So subscribe today so you don't miss it when it drops on March 25th. You know, I heard you speak recently at an event and you spoke about the choice, the choice to live in the world of possibilities. And I found it incredibly inspiring as you were talking. Can you help explain that again? You can live in the world of possibilities or you can really live in the world of uh, measurements where you measure everything. And the world of possibilities are, it's where you give an opportunity for um I think, you know, anytime we tell a story, there is, there is many ways we can tell the story. And um, if I, you know, if my daughter is going to come back from school and she's worried about grades and, you know, we tend to score everything we do in life, you know, uh, and it starts from early age when they go to school and how much did they, you know, get on the test. And in, in some ways, it's stopping us from believing that there's an opportunities that um, we can 
almost create the possibility. Mm-hmm. And what I've noticed that when I am tapping into the world of measurements and I give myself, um, you know, uh, a grade, oh, you know what? I wasn't great in this meeting, you know? Um, and, and we're starting to be very critical for, you know, on my own performance and I'm critical about uh, the company's performance and my kids' performance. I'm blocking some opportunities to improve. If you if you believe that there's a possibility, and I'll be very, it may sound cheesy, but I really believe in that. If you look on an obstacle and you're saying, you know what, an obstacle is also an opportunity for a miracle. Mm-hmm. And even if I have an obstacle, maybe that's the sign to shift my strategy. Maybe it's just a turn. I need to turn in a different direction. But there's you can turn an obstacle to a miracle. And it's the same thing. If you judge everything you do and you grade everything you do, the chance to build new reality is very, very slim. Mm -hmm. So my philosophy is that, and I've done it throughout my career, I, I keep I laugh about that, but I was never hired by anyone. I always had to create Mm -hmm. a possibility for me to make an income. And uh, this is, for me, something that I realized that I create reality. I create reality when I thought about the idea of creating a lab for students, for female students to create. The lab was at Babson. I came to Babson and I pitched them the idea, the Woman Innovating Now Lab, the WIN Lab. And when I looked on the data, it's pretty fascinating that most female students are looking for jobs. And since I never benefit from a real job, I thought, why not helping them to create new ideas and build companies and make an income based on their own terms? And so I pitched the idea to Babson and I said, why don't we just build an accelerator where we bring students here to start companies? That's that's not something that Babson was thinking about. That's not something that... Uh, was um, just another accelerator. I wanted to do it really to help women change the way they think. So I selected the candidates based on their character, not based on their idea. And so I am a big believer, you know, um, I wake up every morning and I say, okay, how can I meet my miracle? And a miracle is not something goofy-loofy, you know. A miracle could be that, you know, I came to the office, I came with a smile, and I changed all the energy because everybody was tense about Mm -hmm. the numbers. Uh, But how can you improve numbers when you're so tense about the results? The only way to really, I think, change trajectory and and really uh, drive companies to be successful is if you ride the right horse. You know, I have another metaphor for you is that you can't ride on two horses at the same time. So if you are really afraid of failing, how can you be successful? If you are really driven by measurements, how can you possibilities can enter into your world? So when I when I think about what really I need to make a choice every morning. Am I going to be driven? Am I going to be really driven by fear or not? If I'm willing to leave fear out of the equation, then I'm going to drive the horse. I'm going to ride the horse of success. If I'm going to be afraid about failure, that's my horse. Got to let go of, of fear. And and I think I think it goes to where we are as society. We 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 create companies with fear. We really measure them from day one. We need to dream more. 
we need to let possibilities come in. But it starts in early age. My daughter came back from school yesterday and she has she had an exercise in English. She was supposed to pick and choose um, a topic and discuss in her uh, work creativity. What is creativity? But then she was graded on that and she got B. How can you judge creativity and grade it? When we enter to the world of measurements without giving the opportunity for us to thrive and create. And that's where I think we see companies that take this path and we see less and less people that are willing to take the risk and change the world because they get measured every single day. Even creativity is getting measured now. It's crazy. So how did you help people get started? You know, what are what are some of the questions you ask? We tend to, when we start to think about a business, we tend to look on what is going to go wrong. We're back to the world of measurements. How much money will I need for the business? You know, how much money can I make? Uh, We're asking the the very wrong questions at the beginning. I say, I always say to students, when you start to think about your idea, you're still dreaming about it. I want you to go big, 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 big as possible. We're going to land in the world of measurements. We're gonna have to quantify how much you're gonna make, not yet. First of all, let's open the door for you to take it big. So the first thing I've done in the in the Win Lab is I taught them how to think big. And by opening the, that world to this possibility, big businesses can evolve and and give birth to something that is much bigger than they were thinking at the beginning. The second thing I wanted to create is a community for women. Because when I started my career, there were no, I don't remember, organizations or communities that supporting each other. And as you know, we're still behind, tiny, in every single sector. (laughs) We don't hold power positions. Uh, We are um, having a hard time uh, raising money raising capital. I mean, we have a lot to do um, as women. And I think mostly because we don't have role models. And of course, I have to ask, how did you get here? You know, what was your path like? So this is where I started. I started when I was 14 and that was my first business. It was, um, I was selling ice creams to my parents' friends against their will. That was the deal. And it worked pretty well, you know. I, I made some money until I exhausted the, the, the system and then I sold to local restaurants. But that was the first time that I got the bug. But I grew in a family where it wasn't really respected. So, you know, you had to be educated, right? You needed to have all the credentials. You needed to go to great universities. So so I dropped that and, and I didn't get back to the business world until I finished my MBA. And even so, I think that the perception was, you know, for a good Jewish family, if she's not a doctor or a lawyer, what is she? So I'm, I've, I still fall into the category, what exactly is she? But I was very fortunate that I had role models, all male, that took me through the path. So 20 years ago, I left Tel Aviv and I came here and it was a CEO that took a chance on me. And he said to me, move to Boston, you're gonna start a company there. I'm gonna stay in Tel Aviv. And we built a supply chain company together. And that was my first experience of how to build sales organizations. And I, I really understood what does it mean to sell large deals. And I was fortunate to build a multi-million dollar business and we sold it to Oracle. And then I was, um, I was a candidate to be a CEO because of my record. And, a v- and you know, I met with a VC and I took a CEO role and worked uh, with a company based out of Jerusalem, working with 30 Orthodox men that never saw a woman in a leadership position. It sounds like these jobs where 
were there for me, but I created the opportunity. Nobody gave me the call. I mean, as I said, I I developed those relationships, and I always say to women, especially women, is is work on your network and 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 show the opportunity why you can be a great leader. So in my early career, I learned how to manage men. That's all I saw. I even looked like a man. I, I was in a suit, you know, I, I looked like a man, I compete with a man, I talked like a man, I joked like a man. I mean, the only thing I didn't do well, still don't do well, I can't do the sports talk. I was, I was pretty successful, but then I became pregnant and that changed the equation because I was not attracted as a potential CEO anymore. And, and I got a little bit tired competing with the boys. So here's the, here's the time where I needed to create my, um, opportunity and I had two possibilities one is to go to a therapist two is to start a business you obviously like listening to powerful and inspiring stories so I want to tell you about a show that highlights women who are trailblazers and generally kick butt wherever they are Latina to Latina, hosted by broadcast veteran Alicia Menendez, lets you listen in on intimate conversations with some of the most fascinating Latinas in the U.S. These women are changing the world in media, business, fashion, fitness, and so many other fields. From Hollywood power producers to chefs building culinary empires to activists redefining bravery, guests on Latina to Latina are the types of women you'll come to admire. So take a listen and subscribe to Latina to Latina wherever you listen to podcasts and visit latinatolatina.com for more. Okay, so you decided to start a business again. What was your first step? So I went to the Media Lab, to MIT, and was looking to see if there's some projects that I can work on. The story is very short. Is I found a great team, and I didn't know anything about the internet. I came from the enterprise market. But together, we created a company, a self-publishing platform for kids, TikTok. They brought a lot of innovation and understanding of what is the digital world, and I understood supply chain. So we built a hybrid model where, you know, you can print your books, you can create your books. And it was the first time I raised money in this town. I didn't understand even the culture. But it's one of the things where I think I was also curious about feedback. And I keep saying that, especially to women, we tend to take feedback in a very personal way. And I remember getting on a phone call with potential investors. They did not know that I'm on the line. I was on the line already. And one of the investors said, you know, she doesn't know how to pitch. Let's just bring her because it's going to be a great test and we can show everybody how she doesn't know how to do that. And uh, they said that about me and about another founder. We were both on the line. They did not know that. So I was curious about that feedback. And um, no, I wasn't really excited to hear that. But I thought that I could prove them wrong. And I did show up to the presentation. And the other woman, I never heard from her. It was 10 years ago. She did not come. Fast forward, the investors that 
made this comment not only invested in my company but they came and invested in another company today we joke about that because I tell them that I was on the phone and I heard that but I think that understand that sometimes you have opportunities to change obstacles to miracle for me was a miracle did you ever figure out why they thought you wouldn't be able to pitch I think I think I don't I don't come across as organized which is absolutely true but I also have such um and I keep saying that to people, I I show my authenticity and that is contagious because investors get really tired when you pitch to be perfect because we're not perfect. So I think they, they the comments were fair in terms of how to become more organized and I've done that but I kept my edge. I'm prepared but I'm not scripted. I you know I let things evolve because I think that's where that's the opportunity so that was it and um, I ran with with Ticketot for two I think 24 months and we sold it to Barnes and Noble and that was um, uh, that was interesting for me I came to Barnes and Noble and then this this was my opportunity to learn about to learn about product and mobile and how to build products for 80 million customers and how to run promotions in 800 stores. So that was fascinating. And then from there, I moved to the Win Lab. And from after I spent time working on the Win Lab, um, I decided to, uh, no, I was hired as a chair for different companies. You know, when you become a chairwoman, that's that's a signal that you're in the end of your career. It's really interesting. So I thought I was in the end, but I worked like a dog. I worked like a CEO because I was fixing all the time. So one day I came to um, a local VC, a good friend of mine, and he said, why are you fixing things? Why don't you not creating? And that was like, ouch. So you were brought in as an EIR. And for people who might be listening, you know, that stands for entrepreneur in residence. So you were basically brought in to brainstorm on ideas that could potentially become companies. And you came up with Pepperlane. Can you share more about that? And so I joined the firm as an EIR, and that was another miracle moment. Why would you let someone that was I thought was in the end of the career, starting something again. Totally a miracle. The bigger miracle, let me tell you what Pe- what Pepperlane is. Pepperlane is the place for mothers to um, find all the tools they need to start business. And they have a great community that support them. And they get a method from us, we call it the Pepperlane method, where we teach them how to do the right thing every single day so they don't get overwhelmed. Now, this company was backed by a local VC, and here's why it's a miracle. Because number one, it's a female-led company. We were you know, two co-founders, two mothers, one was pregnant when we raised the money. It is consumer and it's for mothers. That is a miracle. And I'm so proud of Accomplice for, uh, I can say today that they put thousands of mothers to work with their money. So these mothers can make money on their own terms. So, you know, it sounds like you really have tapped into something real. How does it work on the ground. So forget everything I told you about thinking big. Now I want you to think small. So I shifted. By the way, if you look on my resume, there's nothing consistent about that. I did supply chain, I did data management, then I went to academia and created Accelerator. Now I'm creating um, a company for small micro businesses. That's why I cannot be hired by anyone, you see, because it's no, it makes no sense. So 
let me just give you a little bit about the numbers. Let's go back to the world of measurements. And you know how much I don't like this world, but I think it helps to quantify the size of the problem. We are 85 million mothers in the U.S., okay? 40 million of them are part of the traditional workforce. 45 million are out of the workforce. And what do they do? They either stay at home and raise kids. They're part of the gig economy, so that means they have some part-time job. Uh, they're part of a multi-level marketing where they're selling products by other companies door-to-door, but they're not making real money. So I said, wow, 45 million are out of the workforce. They are absolutely invisible. Now, why is it? Because when I started my career, there were there was only two options, either to stay at home or be part of the workforce. But what if, and this is where I went on the, you know, I was on the mission to talk. I, I interviewed hundreds of mothers before we started Pepperlane. What do they want? And what came out of the research was fascinating is that number one, they not necessarily want to be part of the workforce. Number two, they not always have the skills that employers are looking for. It doesn't mean that they don't have skills. They are extremely talented and passionate, but maybe that's not what, you know, people want. And number three, the size of business or the definition of success, stop telling me what it is. You know what it is? The definition of success was not written by mothers or for mothers. We are busy, we are talented, we want to do it based on our own terms. And what they asked me kindly, (laughs) with grace, is go create the third option, Sharon. Give us all the tools we need to monetize a skill that we already have. So whether I know how to cook, whether I came out of the workforce and I know bookkeeping, I'm an accountant, you know, I could be absolutely uh, with lots of years of experience, or I could be just by being a mom, I can run errands for you. Or maybe I'm a yoga teacher. And suddenly what I saw is that Here's an opportunity for so talented workforce that is invisible right now because we think, especially here in the tech community, that everything has to be Uber or Amazon or, you know, or or the empire. But it makes so much sense to fuel the economy with micro-businesses that can bring so much joy and also uh, real needs for our own communities. So 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 here's the math. 40 million, let's say. Let's say they 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 choose a skill that they have and I always say to mom to every mom you have at least one skill. You know how to run errands, you're you're a great project manager, you know how to book travel. Um, or if you came out of the workforce, you're a marketer, whatever you are, you can put your skill to work. We'll help you how to do that. Um, so so 40 million, let's say that we, we give them four hours worth of work and they charge $30 an hour. We're looking on $260 billion that we can add to the economy. This is really the gap. It's an in, invisible workforce because the bar of, of success is so high. We want everybody to be the same. So Pepperlane is the third option. This is an opportunity for mothers. I want them to showcase how talented they are. What we're giving them, we're giving them all the tools. We're giving them the website. We're giving them a marketplace where they can showcase their service. They don't, they just bring their skills. We do everything else. Number two, which I realized is absolutely essential is as women, we love to get to know each other. That's how we refer. That's one of the reasons that I chose to work with mothers because we have the trusted network. So we have local meetups. We call it the Boost Events where they come in 
and they meet, they sit down around the table and each one present their own business. And they pick one challenge to work in the meeting. They cannot come up with, come in with all of their to-do lists. The Pepperlay method is work one by one. And in the meeting, they pick a challenge. So for example, I don't know how to promote myself on Facebook. Do you have ideas for me? I just have no idea uh, why this customer didn't call me. Can you just give me some ideas what happened? So they come with these small ideas, but they have a group and we run those uh, boosts in every local town uh, in Massachusetts now. And these events are uh, run by one of our leaders in the community. So uh, we have uh, leaders all over Massachusetts. And it's a great way not only to work on your business, but also to find customers. What, what we see is that, you know, you have a social media strategist and a declatterer sitting in the same table. And she goes, you know what? Oh my God, my basement, I got to clean it before the holiday. And then the social media strategist said, okay, you know what? I can look on your website and help you to really make it really simple so you can take some of your messaging and put it on social media. So they that's the mom economy. What I've noticed is that we buy from each other when we get together. So the community is the secret sauce of Pepper Lane. And you know, there are a lot of messages right now about leaning in or leaning out. Do you think of this as leaning in? To me, it's not about leaning in. To me, it's about, I want women to wake up and say, I am who I am and I feel good about myself. And this is the only way that you're going to give a good service. So when you come to our meetings, the vibe is so different. It's so feminine. You can, you you know, we're not, We I wouldn't say we have the mommy talk, but you definitely can talk about your obstacles. You know, we have single mothers, we have grandmothers, we have new mothers, we have people that are non-mothers. And we all sit together and we talk business and we're trying to help each other. And I find it uh, so, so refreshing to see that women are helping each other to build businesses. I think this is what we need because we don't have role models because all of us, we come from the traditional workforce. Our role models were were male. And Pepperlane is building a very different model where we defining our own rules. So, you know, are you focusing first on mothers for a particular reason? I could see this as a way to rewrite the rules for everyone. I think that women today in the workforce, although we're talking about lean in and although we're talking about uh, companies that are trying to accommodate, you don't start a job interview by saying, okay, I'm a mother of two. And guess what? On my way to work, you know, I just got a phone call from my school that, you know, my kid just threw up. That's not attractive to hire you. On Pepper Lane, that's part of the conversation because you probably need somebody to back you up right now. So while I'm sitting here with you, I'm thinking in my head, there's a Pepperlane mom that picked up my kid today. I hope she made it. It just go through my head. It's not going to, there's no way I don't think about it right now. And when you are in the workforce, you are trying to hide it so much. But I'm, I'm anxious about that, right? You know, I'm thinking is, you know, did she pick a, you know, did she send me a text that she's already there? When we come to work, I feel that we leave out, we leave or we're trying to hide part of us. That's wrong. So Pepperlane invites all the mess. So that brings me to the last piece. So we created all the tools. We give them the community. And then the last piece, they ask us, okay, but life is messy. Life gets in the way. When will I have time to work on my business. Mm-hmm. And that's where we develop the pathway, which gives 
them it's a personalized program where we pick and choose help them to pick and choose what they should work every single day they do it by sprints and then they take a break you know why because i think actually the breaks are the secret sauce of the program that's why i don't know if i believe really in leaning in i'm looking for business models that will be very different because life is messy if you want to build a business you need to take breaks so we're putting you on a program where we ask you to invest qualitative time, 20 minutes a day on your business, and we're gonna send you to the right assignment. Just do that. Then we give you a tribe that help you. So you're not alone, they keep you accountable. And, you, and it's like a sprint, you know, it's like getting ready for a marathon and then you take a rest. We need you to pay attention to your family. We need you to pay attention to yourself. Self-care is huge on Pepper Lane. We, we really tell people part of our curriculum is self-care. So we want you to take a break and then you come back, you're fresh, you're motivated, you want to take the next break. We try and, you know, we're, we're collecting data, but so far we see that the level of engagement is over 85% because we give breaks. It shows you that the model can work versus go to work every day, nine to five, where you get exhausted because you're hiding the fact that your kids are sick and you had a fight and you just... So here's why I keep going after mothers, because I wanted to introduce the elephant in the room and the elephant is motherhood because motherhood is changing the gravity is changing everything and we're trying to hide that and say everything is okay we're gonna multitask we're gonna lean in i wanted to call it out that's why i said motherhood motherhood is the elephant in the room and i wanted to change the conversation instead of being on the defense. I want to celebrate that. Celebrate. And by the moment that we decided that Pepper Lane is going to invite mothers to make money, the level of talent that came out was crazy. They can compose you a piece of music for your son's birthday if you want. Because you let them be who they are. And who they are is that it's they need the freedom to say, I'm a mother and I'm very proud of it. Not I'm a mother and that's why I need to leave work right now. That's, that's what we need. for sharing so so much about Pepper Lane and your your work right now that's so important and I was wondering if you don't mind just taking a little bit of time to to share some of your own experiences as a working mother yeah so I mean one of the uh, I'll tell you a funny story uh, when I um, when I was working um, and I started uh, Tika Talk and I had, um, I had um, my, my oldest was already in kindergarten, but my youngest was a, just a baby. And we were just in the process of fundraising. And I remember I was uh, on a call doing a presentation in front of 10 investors. And I was telling my marketing manager at that time, I told her, look, I don't have a sitter. If my baby is going to scream or start to cry for some reason if she's going to wake up from her nap time 
I'm going to go on mute and you're going to, and you're going to just start to talk. And I remember Katie tells it, telling me, Sharon, I'm, I'm doing marketing. I don't know how to do fundraising. And I mm-hmm. said, Katie, we have no option right now. As soon as you see that I stop to talk, you just come in and guess what? Do you want to guess what happened? What happened? <laughs> of course, my daughter started to cry and I uh-huh. went on mute and I went on mute and Katie jumped in and she cannot remember what she was saying for about seven minutes before I came back. And then I came back, we finished the presentation uh, strong and we raised money. So wow. the story is, you know, sometimes you got to be, um, you got to be, you got to play in the moment and don't try to play perfect. We are not perfect. You know, uh, did the investor know what I was doing? No, but Katie knew, you know, we knew we had to do it and we just mm-hmm. went for it. I mean, that's another story. Uh, the other story I can tell you is I remember the first time I went to, um, get a credit line from our local bank. I needed to open a bank account. We just started the company. We had zero cash. Again, I was with my two daughters. Um, it was an after school and, and the, the, the manager came to meet with me. And I remember, you know, uh, coming in, you know, with my daughter, which was very grumpy after preschool because she wanted to go home. And with my youngest, you know, in the stroller. And I remember getting into his small office with a stroller and my uh, oldest, you know, that is grumpy. uh, And they are both screaming. And the bank manager is trying to understand what exactly I want. I said, listen, I got to go home and I need a credit line from you. I need a line of credit to start to, to, to open this company. I have a big idea. And the girls are screaming and the bank manager wants to pull his hair off. And all he wants me is out of his tiny office. And guess what? What happened? What happened? Did you get it? it? I got it. So, you know, you just have to do what you have to do. And uh, I would say one thing for, for, for women and mothers in particular is don't be hard on yourself. Don't judge yourself. Because today, you know, if you would have asked me now, would you would you have done these two things again? And I would say, absolutely not. This is crazy, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you got to be careful not to judge yourself because you are blocking possibilities. Here are two possibilities that I would never imagine I will get. I went ahead and I, I raised over $1 million after this call. And I went ahead to the bank and I got what I needed to start the company. I did not imagine that and definitely not with screaming kids in the background. But guess what? I've done that. I had forgotten until you were talking when my kids were really little and I was going, I had to go down to the Chase Bank in New Haven, Connecticut on a regular basis because that was my business account. And I turned it into a whole thing where I would bring the kids with me and they would color and I would deal with the bank people. And then we would go get like ice cream at Ikea Um, and it worked, but yeah, it was crazy, but Thank yeah. you for sharing and, your story. And, and you know, you, there there's some other things that still, you know, I still have um, my my kids are now are older, you know. Uh, I have a 17 and I have a 12. But, you know, when they have a bad day, guess what? Who is getting it? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So I remember, I remember even in this company, Pepperlane, you know, we had, uh, we, had we had a big uh, conference, our first conference. I was so tense about that. 
And, you know, my, my daughter had a really bad day. She did not want to go to school. So what do you do? Do you start and trying to convince her and stress out about it um, before you're taking the stage and you have a very important keynote? Or do you take her to the conference and just said, you know what? Who says it's not a better experience to watch her mother talking in front of an audience versus missing school for a day? Mm-hmm. We both were very happy by the end of the experience. Yeah. <laughs> Was it the best move? Well, it was the best move to the situation that I was in. And looking back, yes, she missed the day. Yes, the teacher called me in to understand why, uh, why this is an okay excuse to get my daughter to a corporate conference for women. I gave her the speech, you know, I gave her the reason. And, you know, I'm looking now two years later, you know, my daughter always going to remember that she saw her mom on the stage first time talking to mothers, you know, and, 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 and people that she knew from her community. So that was really fun. She will always remember that too. Um, my, I, you know, as a younger person, my dad actually took me to conferences a couple of times when I was a kid and I remember it vividly. Um, so I think that sounds like a pretty great experience she had getting to see you up on stage. Yes, yes, absolutely. And now, but but here's the funny one, right? So Pepper Lane Lane is now um, almost three years old. You know, we are doing conferences twice a year. So now I feel very proud and I say, you know what? Uh, You should really come, you know? It's becoming a tradition. She's looking at me the other day and she said, she looked at me and she said, "Eh, you know, mom, I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs) So things are changing, right? It's okay. You know, it's absolutely fine. You know, it's all good. And how do you define the success? I would say that the formula to success, and, and I watch my kids and, you know, they're going to the best schools. I don't think that we can teach how to be successful. I don't believe that there's a formula. What I would advise women is to be careful not to follow the crowd and not to believe in a formula and tried to me the most important thing what is so attractive is if you are who you are and I always say that it sounds dumb but there's only one of you don't hide that be authentic authenticity is a weapon and stay curious curiosity is a gift if you are going to showcase your authenticity and stay curious the chance that you'll not be successful is very small because that means to me that you are willing to take risks. You're going to cope with failure because there's no doubt you will, but you're curious. You're going to try to turn this into miracles. I really believe that possibilities are endless. It's the way we tell our own story. So be kind, be kind when you tell the story of yourself. And I would say to my young that I was sometimes I was too harsh you know the story was very in the world of measurements and very limited follow the formula and just 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 relax 
trust and, and be who you are. I think that's the magic. So if you were going back, what would you tell your younger self? What advice would you give? You know, going back to authenticity, let me let me just say what I, I think. Because we don't have role models yet, because we're trying to break through in every single aspect in in this society, we're changing everything for women. I think that we gotta help each other more. Now, when you look on mothers, we really tend to help each other and refer, you know, anything we need with regards to our kids. But if you look on career path, you know, um, I want to see more women pushing women in the success, uh, in the climbing the success ladder. And I think that if you look on the data, um, I don't think we're doing it enough. And, you know, um, I'm going to say something that might be a little bit controversial, uh, but I think that we have to help in the most meaningful way. I would hope that every single one of us uh, is going to help another woman to climb the ladder of success, whether it's in a corporation or outside of a corporation. And if you didn't move the needle for her, if if you didn't open a door that was really, really matters, then you yeah. didn't help her, right? Um, so I, I want to see us doing more for each other. So I go back to Adam Grant, give and take. The world, you know, in the business world, you can really look on people and really identify the way they behave in business. They could be givers or takers. And a taker is someone that really expects you to help them. And they always calculate what it's them for them. If they're going to open a door for you, is it going? Is this going to help them in the future? A matcher is someone that is, this is what we learn in business school, is it's a give and take relationship. Sometimes you give, some, sometimes you take. And a giver is someone that doesn't calculate how much this will help him or herself. He looked on all the industries, Adam Grant, and the data showed is that who is actually climbed successfully the success ladder? The giver, the taker, or the matcher? What do you think? You know, I, I guess my guess would be that the giver would be at the top, but I'm not really sure where the other types come into play. Actually, the giver is on the top and the giver is at the bottom. Here's the story. I'll give you an example. He looked on medical school. Uh, the first two years is all about testing. So the giver, the one that tends to help others, really had to pay the price and didn't score so well at the first two years. But when you get to the point where you have to visit patients and you have to collaborate, this is where the giver is taking over. So people that are givers tend to open doors for others. And sometimes um, it's they're gonna sacrifice the price of success, and it's going it's going to take them time to climb the ladder. But over time, even salespeople that are givers made more money over wow. the years. So the giver is starting at the bottom, and climb slowly to the top. And I'll give you the example. I looked on the data on Pepperlane. The woman that helped other Pepperlaners first to be successful in their business, whether they give them advice, whether they refer clients to them, or whether they buy from them, are the most successful sellers on the platform. They're starting from a disadvantage point because they're investing in others. But over time, they're getting so many referrals and so many people rally for their success that they take the top of the chart. So going back to my request from women, is we are natural givers, we are mothers, or we are women, we know how to give, 
we practice that. Sometimes we even suffer from the disease to please. But I would ask them to implement that in the in, in, in helping other women to climb the ladder in the most meaningful way, even, even if they think they're going to have to sacrifice their own success. Because I bet it's going to pay back. Maybe not from the same woman. This is not a matcher. But it could come back to you from the network. That's it for this time, but we'll be back next week for another inspiring conversation with another inspiring woman. If you could take just a minute to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to hear these stories. The 43% is produced by me, Claudia Reuter, with additional help from the team at Critical Frequency. Our executive producer is Amy Westervelt. Episodes are mixed by Tyler Morissette, and our music is from Martin Wisenberg. You can find The 43% wherever you listen to podcasts, on our website at the43percent.com, or at criticalfrequency.org. Thanks again for listening, and have an awesome week. 